Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. continuing our series called What We Talk About When We Talk About God. We did the first week. Dietrich Winter did um, a wonderful rendition on the Holy Spirit. Uh, And then last week I did What We Talk About When We Talk About Christ and how Christ is not Jesus' last name nor his H, um, his middle name. If that's true, what are the consequences? What are the ramifications? Um, And today we're talking about what we talk about when we talk about your favorite word, this gets people up, pumping around, right? A lot of, lot of high fives. Church. What are we talking about? We talk about church. If you want to kill a vibe at a party, right? Just turn on the music and say, who wants to go to church, right? <laughs> All right? And I am a fan of church. I've given clearly my uh, life's work to it, and I believe in the church. But that word can carry a lot of emotion, and the low-hanging fruit is the negative emotion, right? Because when you hear about, like, church, or you hear about pastors in the news, it's never like a local pastor of 40 years. She served her church and baptized three generations of families and now is retiring to finally sleep, right? You never hear those stories. What stories do you hear? Like, mega church pastor doing blow with the basement, right? Like, he's already in prison and broke out. Like, you hear the... <laughs> you hear the the, the stories, the podcast, if you've listened to um, uh, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, has anyone started that yet, right? It's, it's uh, intense, and it gives, like, the back, behind the, the background of what can happen in um, not just large, any churches. Um, and so those are, like, real events. People have suspicion of church. There's times, like, what I hear when I talk with people um, they hear the word church and they think you just want my money, right? You, you just want my you just want my time. You just want like you just want to retain power. I've worked in several churches and worked with several um, leaders that were very narcissistic. And one of them, I was talking with a former colleague, and we laughed about it. Oh, I'll get to that part, right? Um, and we were saying, oh man, you remember when that leader would like in front of everyone stop, point at you, and then do this? right? Like, we don't do this to adults, right? We shouldn't even probably do it with our kids. Like, hey, get over here, right? But in a room full of people, this person would do it and then would say something really hurtful, and then you would cry in front of everyone, and we didn't do anything about it, right? We just sat there and like, oh, I guess this is what we do. And why do we do that? Because A, we wanted to keep a job, and B, that was the culture of power, right? There was a person who had more power than everyone else, and we, the only way you have that power is if you give them that power, right? And so people see that, and they think about churches. Um, the most common story here when people think about church is like a bait and switch, right? Like, it's going to be great and until it's not great, right? And they hear words like, um, everyone is welcome to participate. Everyone's welcome to join us. Everyone gets to play. And you're like, and you believe it. And so you're like, and I see it on all, a lot of church signs of like, everyone's welcome. And I want to go up and they're like, kind of, everyone's welcome, right? Uh, most everyone's welcome. 
um, and they get involved. And church, as you know it, like walking in, even if you've been here, how about even for me, and like I've been in this church since it started, and I can walk in and I can get a little insecure. I can be a little, because it's like, it's a vulnerable place to be in church, because you're talking about spirituality, you're talking about justice, you're talking about beautiful things. So for people to show up and then be vulnerable and make friends and give thousands of dollars, right? Like to do all those things and then move around thinking everyone's welcome and tell their kid, you know, tells the youth leader, hey, I think I'm trans. I think like who I am and my body don't match. Oh, uh oh, right? Or until you, you, someone finds out that you um, advocate for healthcare for women to do for their bodies in any way they want, right? And they hear that and they're like, and all of a sudden, now that's a threat. Like how many scenarios? And I've heard some. Uh, they're not. They're not funny. <laughs> I was gonna say I've heard some crazy ones. They're, that's violence on people's bodies. And there's these boundaries that were painted that they never saw that people hid and they covered them up. And what you're fine as long as you don't cross that boundary. So people who experience that, like one of my um, one of our one of our friends uh, used to say, he'd come to church and he's like, Chris, I'm hanging on by a thread. <laughs> I'm like, well, way to go for that thread, man, right? Um, and then and the reason was because he was a part of a um, he calls it a cult, <laughs> and he's like, and I had to go because. My parents told me I needed to go, and so I thought good sons just listen to the parents. And he's like, it messed me up, and I don't want to ever be a part of a church again. And I'll never put my kids into a system that can do that kind of damage. And he's a, one of, a great friend of mine. I'm like, yeah, you probably should never go to church again, right? That's healthy, right? So there's all these scenarios of people that hear church, but then there's like, I met my best friend. I met Nikki, my partner at youth group. I, at a, I went to a very fundamental evangelical church, right? And it was super good for me. There's some things that I've learned about what it means to be fully human, of what it means to participate in Christ. Um, at the church I used to work at, the Vineyard, I met a ton of my best friends. That's where I met a, a majority of you is where I met you there. And we did some amazing things at that church. And we planted a church that has done some incredible things in this community. So, like, it's easy to start at the low-hanging fruit, with a missing the beautiful things that a church can do. But they both are still real, and they both exist. I have done some horrible things as a pastor. And I've had to go back, like, there's been times of, like, I remember one time sitting over at our office, used to be on the other side, and I said this thing to a couple that I remembered, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I actually gave that as pastoral care. And I trusted that was the Holy Spirit. I called that person. I asked for forgiveness. I said, I'm really sorry. I'm in a different place right now. She started crying. We bumped into each other a couple days later. She's getting uh, married again to, like, a great partner. So, like, there is beautiful things if we're willing to recognize and own what we've done, right, and we can do and be better. So when we talk about church, what are we actually talking about? If that's what people maybe hear or that's maybe some starting points for people, when I'm talking about church, what kind of church are we talking about? Now, again, for those who are watching online or listening five years later, uh, what I'm talking about church is not limited to, I feel like this is like the small print underneath, right? It's not limited to just these points. Church can be so much bigger and so much wider than like my four talking points. But first, when I'm talking about church, I'm talking about when Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. Then he goes into this like very nuanced, very um, kind of weird, you know, he's like, whatever is loosed in heaven may be loosed on earth, and whatever you ask, I'll do. 
Uh, but he, it, it's right in the middle of it is this idea of where two or three gathered in my name, I am there, which I was taught in Bible college. That's why we always pray, right? Because we have to be in Jesus' name in order for Jesus to be here, which is not true, by the way, right? Because it's not like some magic trick. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, Jesus, I'm praying. And Jesus is like, hey, what up, man? I was waiting for you to pray, right? What he's saying is where, when, you are, when you are physically with other people, I am there. When you can be your fullest self, when you can be uh, exactly who you are and you can see the dignity and the humanity in the person right in front of you, that's where I live. When we can see each other, believe each other, include each other. And when we do that, that's heaven. We do that, that's where the kingdom is. And that's who we are at Neighborhood Church, is that we're a place of where we really do believe that the Christ is in between us. And there's something powerful and important about recognizing the humanity and the inclusion of other people, right? Then, Paul goes on in Acts 17. Uh, and, I mean, we could we go through just the book of Acts about what it means to be church. I'm jumping all over the place. Um, in Acts 17, um, Paul is in Athens, and he's engaging these people, and they, um, the way that they worshiped, they worshiped idols that represented these gods, and there was tons of them, and one of them is the, the, the unknown god, right? The unknown god, and Paul says, um, well, isn't this, you know, kind of ironic that you have all these idols that you can connect with the god, and these gods can, you know, do good things for you, protect you things, but you're worshiping a god you don't even know, and so does that god even know you? And how does that even work? And then he begins to talk about the, um, the majesty and the beauty of, of the Christ and how there's this God that knows us and that it actually knows us by becoming us and is with us. And he quotes this, um, uh, this philosopher and he says this. Um, I got to get it right. Um, For in him we live and move and have our being. Right? Now, if there's any good Pentecostals here, I know one right over there, Dietrich H. Winter, um, do you, and if you're watching online, do you remember the worship song? In him we live and move and have our being. It's like one of those you can just go over and everyone starts going like this, right? And everyone's like, then you start doing the Holy Ghost hop and you're popping and locking, right? It's right I can't not think of that. Yeah, you get it. Until you get yelled at by your mom. Put that down right now. Sorry, mom. My, my mom's already here. I forgot. Your mom, yeah, she did have a tambourine. Uh, we had a friend that used to get bruises on her leg from hitting the tambourine so hard. And I remember, like, then why are you doing it? <laughs> like, just take it off, huh? Um, I am totally lost. Oh, Paul, in him, we, in him we move and find and have our being. I love that idea because if two or three are gathered in the fullness, it's in that space that we can actually find who we are, Right? There is permission here to explore the fullness of who you are. When we're wrapped up in Christ, the real you is not a threat. That we should explore, we should move, we should taste and see the goodness of all this world has to offer, moving us to our fullest self. Now, Paul, Ephesians 4. Um, Ephesians 4, he goes through this idea of um, that Christ is the head of the church, Right? And he talks about, and it's made up of this body, of all these individual beautiful parts that make up this body. And then he goes into this weird, nah, I keep using that word. He goes into this, um, these roles in the church. It's like uh, uh, pastor, evangelist, apostle, and two other ones. I don't remember what they are, right? But he, he highlights, I think, five. And then some movements say, well, it's like a five-fold ministry has to have all these things. And that's great. Go for it. 
But what, what Paul just said is that there's Christ is ahead, and the body's made up of all these individual parts, way more than five. Like naming five different ones. And the, the uniqueness of you, like what makes you you, and I keep using the word um, on purpose, the fullness of who you are is what makes the body so beautiful, right? There is pressure of walking into a church, or so I've been told, that you have to be something or not be something. You have to uh, dress a certain way. You have to laugh at these jokes. You have to um, move. Like, I remember uh, in Bible college, our, um, one of our professors like, hey, you, when you go to, like, youth conferences, you're going to realize how each church worships because everyone, like, will hold up their hand, like, in a specific way. Like, they'll part one finger. Other people will, like, do this. And he's like, you're going to notice, like, that's just, like, um, their culture and how, how they worship. And so, oh, to worship, to find this goodness, I must do this, be this, reflect this, right? And the truth is that that's not at all who we are. We have in this space, when we didn't, because John didn't get up here to sing, we didn't have any, I did sing. I just, that was worship. You're welcome right there. Um, uh, but when we wor- worship here, musical worship, we have all different kinds of responses, right? We have people who want to sit and close their eyes. We have people that want to just look at the screen because they don't want to make eye contact with the person doing worship. Uh, we have people who stand and raise their hands. There's, uh, for me, when, I don't know why I'm saying this, um, but when I was, uh, like, in my late 20s, early 30s, um, I, when music would start, and when this, we were part of a large church, I would want to leave or go in the back of the room, always. And that, like, <laughs> not going to get in that. And I remember someone telling me, uh, without knowing that I like to be in the back room where I leave when worship happened, they're like, hey, you know, a common sign of you having a demon is that you want to leave during worship. And I'm like, well, uh-oh. <laughs> Rut-row demon, right? And what, I, what I've learned is that part of my um, anxiety, I couldn't name it at the time, is when it gets really loud, I want to move away from it because then I can, like, I can breathe, I can calm down, I don't have to sweat as much. But someone told me that I was demonic for wanting to leave worship. All this to say is that um, you can be exactly who you are. When I'm talking about church, I'm talking about a church where the Christ is always with us. And we're going to celebrate the heaven, the kingdom of God, when I can connect with Heather and let Heather be her fullest self. Right? And we could do that in love, and we might, well, maybe maybe Heather and I would, right? Or we might do it of saying, Heather, honestly, like, of, you can do better. You can be better. I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> like, I'm glad I got your attention, Heather. Um, and then that we, there's a place of where we can find our being, right? We can have it, and we can find it. And the only way we can explore that is by doing it. And we can, we can actually do this life together. And it's a place of where the fullest you is the most beautiful gift you can bring to the world. And I love that. And that's the kind of church that we, we collectively have done. You see, church is not the building. The church is not a set of doctrines. The church is not um, the, the pastor or the leader. The word is ecclesia, right, is the word that Paul uses. And that is more of a people, and I like to think of it more as a movement. That church is a movement. And anywhere you go, we can participate in those things I just talked about. All right, so where I end, what should we do then? If we're a church that's all those things, when we're talking about it, why do church? Which is a great question, right? Like asking, like we just asked our kids, we, uh, Nikki, we had a baby, right? <laughs> Nikki actually asked the kids this question um, of what are our non-negotiables in our family? Like, you tell me, what, are the, what do you think are the non-negotiables? And the things they said were, like, right on. They used different words, right? 
They're like, Dad won't let us chew with his, our mouths open. I'm like, yes, because I think kindness and respect are important, right? Um, I don't know why I just said that. But anyways, uh, um, it's, it's, it's good to ask you and your partner, why do we celebrate in this way? Why is this, why do we get hung up on this issue over and over and over again? Why do we lead our, like, a part of our friendship circle? Why do we keep doing this way? Is this how we want to be with your business or your work? Why do we do why we do? Same with church. I asked a couple people, um, and one of them was Sarah. Sarah was our um, worship pastor, and last Sunday was their last Sunday, um, and they will still be a part of our church. Um, But what they said was perfect. This is what they said of uh, when people ask me, what's neighborhood church? They said, neighborhood is about belonging. There is no show. I'm like, yeah, you got that. You know that one, right? There's no right answers. There's no expectations. There's just vulnerability, vulnerability, honor, love, and room for absolutely everyone. I thought that they nailed it. Like, for for me, why do we do church? Because we have to remind each other. There's a theologian, I do not remember their name, and I wish I did, and they said that Jesus was the great reminder. That everywhere Jesus did, he was trying to remind you of who you were. And it was always an invitation to move into that. With the religious leaders, he, he'd say, uh, outside you're the, on the, of the glass, you're sparkling clean. On the inside, you're filthy and dirty. He's essentially saying, is this how you want to spend your energy? Is this the kind of life you really wanted? And then he'd remind the woman at the well of, like, there's something so much bigger available for you right now. You don't have to be anything else than stepping into the fullness of who you are, right? Like, so we need, for me, I need church so I can remind myself and I can be reminded, like, by your wonderful kids, right? God, I can start crying. I love your kids. They're, they are <clears throat> what I want church to be. Like the Kraus kids, right? They haven't been here. They, in the middle of our first Christmas service, they got up and running around, and they're yelling at each other. And I'm like, this is what I wanted. Places, not just adults, but kids can be exactly who they are and who they be. Like that one Sunday when I said, uh, Yuli uh, asked him a question. He goes, I don't want to be here. I'm like, yes, the great prophet Yuli. <laughs> right? We have to remind each other that we're good. We have to remind each other that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have to remind each other that we are beautiful. We have to remind each other that what we do matters. Because I don't know about you, it is exhausting doing the work of Christ, right? And the work of Christ is in everything we do. It is exhausting having to uh, choose peace over trying to manipulate my kids, right? Giving my kids autonomy over their own, own body and their own decisions is a lot more work than just saying, I don't care what you think, get the shoes on, Right? Even yesterday, I had to apologize. Max, I'm like, I know you did it, so just be done talking. He sat there, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, that's, not, that's not how we want a parent, right? That's way easier to do that. There's more violence to, the, my, to my, not physical violence, but violence nonetheless to my kids. It is, it is exhausting to believe people, right? Especially when you start talking about, like, different politics stuff or the, theological stuff. It's like, oh, my job isn't to be right all the time. It is exhausting to give love to people who treat you bad, right? It is exhausting to extend love and peace to people that you feel like they don't, they're not deserving of your time or your energy. It's hard. To move in the way of Christ costs us something. And it, I don't know about you, there's times where I'm like, maybe let's just be done with this. I'm just moving the world where everything revolves around me. I'm really good at working with my ego. <laughs> I can stroke that ego pretty, pretty good, right? 
And there's times where I'm like, this would be way easier. And the truth is, it's a lie. I know it is. But it's, like, attractive at times, right? I'm just going to tell everyone what I, what I really think. I'm going to remind people how great I am, which I do already. But anyways, we need a place where we can come back and see each other. And the way we might remind each other might not be like, uh, Rebecca, you are good. Remember, it might be through a smile. It might be through a, a simple song. And that, for whatever reason, that song about walking on the water just brings you all the feels, right? It might be uh, a cup of coffee. It might be you have a place of where you can be away from your kid for 45 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> right? That was when we were younger, we were like, we would go to all five services. There's five services. We went to every single one because none of us wanted to be home with our kids, <laughs> right? And that's fine. If the, if the, re- the reminder isn't through a clink of a glass, if it's praying for another, it's important, right? So then... What are we to do? If we're supposed to remind each other, Rob Bell says, what do you want to do with this newfound energy, right? Then we can go back out into the world and we can recreate, right? Because that's what we're doing. When in the Hebrew Bible, when they're talking about the age to come, all right, that's not just heaven being somewhere else. It's right here in this place. There's an opportunity to recreate what is always meant to be, to find beauty, peace, and love. And the thing is, we always want someone else to do it. Right? Like, we want the school counselors to do it. <laughs> Can you just fix my kid for me? Right? We want the pharmacists to do it. We want, uh, we want the police to do it. We want the politicians to do it. Can you just make our world better? Right? We want the school board to do it for us. The truth is, we do it. Every moment we get to step out, we are recreating this world that we're in. The word I like to use is reimagine. For whatever reason, that helps me. I can go out in this world and reimagine what it looks like to love. Because sometimes the way I imagine love to be is very self-serving. I can reimagine what it looks like <laughs> to shovel the block, right? I, I didn't, right? You can reimagine what it looks like to be generous. You can reimagine what you could do with two hours, right? And again, that costs us something. But this is the kind of church, this is the kind of church I've always wanted. And the way we've gotten here has been complicated, it has been hard, and I do it all over again because I believe in it. And we are here, and those who are watching online or listening to this podcast, right, we're still here because we believe in it. We believe in, we believe in God, of course, but we believe in what this power and transformation that we can do collectively and that it really does matter. So, church, we can do hard things. And what we do with our bodies, with our art, with your work, with your music, with your education, with your parenting, it all matters. And we are doing good and beautiful things. Let's pray. So God, I thank you. I thank you for um, that you are here. That the Christ in this space is alive and well. I thank you that we can move and have and find who we really are. <laughs> it's so easy to find who we really are in lots of other things. And I pray that we can be centered in where we start is who you say we are and that we are loved and that we are good. And I pray, God, that we can go out into this world, out into our businesses, out back into our living rooms, into our like family systems and circles of friends, and that we can reimagine what it looks like to be Chris what it looks like, how we can extend love and peace and kindness. 
because they know that when we do that, that we can remind each other that we can be our fullest selves and that we're never a threat. So use us, God, and we love you. Amen. Well, thank you all for coming here, and thank you for all who are watching online, and have a great rest of your day.